The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Visit sfspiritscomp.com for more information on our double gold and best in show winners. That's sfspiritscomp.com. What happens when you combine great music with amazing whiskey? Well, some people are making babies with that formula, but that's not what we're doing here. Well, you might be making a baby right now, but I'm not. I'm behind a microphone, and I'm recording the very first episode of The Fred Minnick Show. Hey, I'm Fred, and for years I've been a bourbon critic, editor-in-chief of Bourbon Plus magazine, co-founder and curator of the Bourbon and Beyond Music Festival that's featured Robert Plant, Foo Fighters, John Mayer, Lenny Kravitz, Stevie Nicks, and so many great musicians. I've been bringing the bourbon to the music side, and for the first time, I am bringing music and bourbon to a podcast. I sit down with artists who are incredible musicians, and they just have this artistry with the guitar, the vocals, or the drums, or whatever it is, but they're just artists in their heads, and they think differently than the rest of the world. And I love talking to musicians. And let me tell you why. It's because they are... They're constantly thinking, and they internalize a lot of things, and when they explore what it is they like to taste, they can delve way back to when they were kids, or they can pick a particular spot when they were on the road, and they know exactly what flavors they like. And what I do is I interview musicians from around the world, and we nail down exactly what their favorite flavors are, and I pair a whiskey to their profile. Now, we don't just talk about whiskey and music. We actually get into some live scenarios. For example, our first guest, Lindsay L. Now, I hope that name sounds familiar, but as you will learn in in the interview, she still thinks of herself as a new artist. Now, I've known about Lindsay for a few years. She actually uh, debuted her uh, first uh, full-length country album in 2017. It was called The Project, and it debuted at number one on the Billboard Country Album Sales Chart. So, I mean, that in itself is an incredible accomplishment. But let me tell you, she starts her career at six years old. She starts playing at six years old. She's from uh, from Canada. And so you don't necessarily always think about Canadians being country music singers, but she is so talented and she's so unique and different than I think the rest of the genre. And the one thing that makes her stand out more than anything is her guitar. She can strum the guitar like nobody's business. And you'll hear I make a lot of comparisons about her, but what you're going to find out is she is an incredible human being, a wonderful person. And the main reason why I started with her in these series of interviews is mostly because she turns the tables on me. And if you don't know me, if you've never read any of my work or some of my background, she pulls it out of me. And I'm in the middle of this interview, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm losing control of this interview because I'm not really asking any questions. She's asking all the questions of me. So I wanted to have this as a great starting point for for you to get to know me a little bit, but also to listen to listen and hear someone who is so special and, and such a rising star in the country music scene. Don't go away. More of the Fred Minnick Show is coming up. But first, at Nictor's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. 
No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. And now back to the Fred Minnick Show and his conversation with Lindsay L. I think you're going to love this interview. And after the interview, I've actually got a little bit of whiskey trivia. And here's a hint for you coming up. You're going you're gonna to learn what U.S. president actually defined bourbon. Now, I'm going to, throughout this podcast, it's going to change inevitably, but the core of who I am is always going to be whiskey, and so I'm going to sprinkle in bits and pieces of whiskey throughout the episodes, and uh, our first little piece of trivia is going to be what U.S. president started bourbon, and if you can actually answer this in the in the comment section as you're listening to it on social media or wherever, let me know and I'll try to call you out in a future episode. So this is something we're going to have a lot of fun with. It's going to be interactive. And I hope you love the interview with Lindsay L as much as I did enjoyed it. So enjoy. I don't open up a bottle with my dinner cause I know that it's just gone. What I love about your career is that you 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 kind of created you created your own fan base. You uh you didn't wait for a record label to come to you. <laughs> no. You just kind of brought it. Yeah, you know, I'm from Canada originally. I grew up in Calgary and um so many of my friends would sign Canadian record deals and then they'd come down to the States to try to sign deals down here and they just couldn't get a record deal They because they already had everything signed away. And so I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to sign a record deal. I'm going to wait till I move to the States. And I bought a 15-passenger band van and I drove that thing everywhere. <laughs> like I drove it across the country so many times and then eventually went to L.A. for a few months and ended up in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, you know, I I traveled around the city a little bit. I ended up signing my first record deal. And, yeah, now I've been living in Nashville for nine years. So wow. it's home. And you, you were quite the sensation on the social medias and, uh, <laughs> and the YouTubes and everything. You know, I love how social media and YouTube and podcasts and all of these these forms of how technology is changing really fast have have really changed the way we interact with people mm-hmm. with with you know celebrities or artists or musicians and everything's so fast like you can you can record a song and have it across the world within days you know yeah. even even minutes if you're really organized but um, it's it's just insane how quickly like releasing schedules and even just promotion um, happens and and I kind of love it that fans can know that it's 
it's actually you speaking to them. Like I spend probably four to five hours a day just talking to fans. Wow. And I love it so much. Like I love being able to, you know, hear what they like and what they don't like. And, and, um, so yeah, it's definitely changed the game as far as like approach. It's also, but also it makes you a little bit more vulnerable. You know, like we were talking, we just had uh, J.D. Shelburne on the on the podcast and and he was talking about how he's had some really tough stalkers. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually had um, a few of those and I've actually never talked about this. Um, You know, I, I thought I'm still a new artist to most people and I'm like, I I've had a couple of instances where, you know, we've had to get security and I had to go to court and I had to issue a restraining order on somebody and these were things that I never would face and even friends of mine which are far more famous um, have never had had to do anything like that and so I was like what what is this like it it was just not something that I understood at all but it got to the point where I was scared to walk by a window in my house because I thought somebody was going to be standing outside of it And I had to change my address on absolutely everything. I had to move actually. And it was just like, there are, there are moments like I, to a fault, love being close to my fans, but there are moments where it's like, you got to figure out, I guess, where to, where to draw that line a little Mm -hmm. bit. And yeah, stalkers are scary. They're really scary stuff. Especially on your trajectory. Uh, I was talking to a booking agent earlier today and there was a comparison uh, made of you to Taylor oh. Swift. Oh, wow. That's that, so... That, that you are that... You have that potential in a, as, as a star. Is so... Um, man, I, I'm kind of speechless hearing you say that. Thank you. That well, means a lot to me. I just saw you out there. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you got a little bit of Janis Joplin in you. Thank you. I love that. And yeah. You got a little bit of, um, you got a little Reba McIntyre. You know, <laughs> Amen. You, you got a little bit of everything. You, Thank you. You could play anything where you, and I would love to see you play more guitar. Yeah. Hey, don't tempt me with the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fun. Playing live is just something that I've always, I mean, I grew up on the stage, so I feel at yeah. home playing live shows and I they will never get old to me I mean I I played when there were more people on stage than in the bar and where the carpet was so sticky because of everything that's spilt on it and we've just played in every room and imaginable so to you know get to come to a festival like hometown rising and play and everybody came out early and we're so excited to see the music and it's just like these are these are festivals why we do this yeah is there a different mentality for, you know, cutting a song in a studio than on stage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the songwriter part of my brain is one part. The studio is another part. And then playing live is a completely different part of the brain. And I honestly look at them as like three different mm. things. Um, playing for the studio, I mean, that's going to be concrete. So whatever you whatever you put down that's going to live forever that way mm-hmm. and you you can say a lot more by doing a lot less in the studio you know like if you have five instruments on a record they if you're very careful with how you say what you want to say you you don't really need to do a lot like at least i've found like sometimes space is the best thing that you can give a song 
live is a completely different story. And as a player, I love being able to like bring a song arc into a whole new world. I mean, a lot of times for the radio, we need to keep something around three minutes, three and a half minutes, two and a half minutes. You know, it needs to kind of stay in that window. But live as a musician, I mean, it's it's endless. Like I would rather play five songs in my set and make them all eight minutes long compared to playing 12 songs in my set and making them three minutes long. Because I feel like a live show is about moments and it's about creating some things so that when somebody's watching, they feel it. And mm -hmm. sometimes you need to build that up with intros and outros. And some of my favorite performers are so good at it. Like it's, it's just about taking your time to create emotion you know and, and make people feel things whether it's happy sad celebrating something making them want to cry yeah it's like you're taking them on the journey of with you you know from from the song itself i almost feel like too like the the world in which you live by the headphones is coming a little bit more toward what you want on the stage yeah in that radio is not dictating to me as a consumer what i'm listening to it's crazy. It's crazy how fast the world is changing. And our the way we internalize music, the way we even discover new artists, is really changing every single day. It's changing so fast, too. I mean, it used to be the only way you could find out a new artist is by listening to the radio in your car. Yeah. And now, I mean, there are streaming services and DSPs and YouTube and there are so many ways to discover new music that it's almost like everybody uses something different and, and in a way for, for an artist that's so exciting because it means that alright while I'm working a certain song to radio I can also be releasing new music over here and I can also be working on streaming stuff over here and I can also make weird crazy YouTube videos and and put new music over here. And so I can be working like five different things at once compared to just focusing on one arm. So you have the capabilities of doing five things at once. <laughs> I mean, I'm a girl, so I love multitasking. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, if we can get this egg in this basket and this egg in this basket, then I'm a happy camper. <laughs> That's awesome. I also feel like, you know, today, like, um, you know, the, the, the power is in the artist's hands. Whereas like 20, 30 yeah. years ago, a musician did not have the power I agree and if anything like these new streaming services have have given musicians so much more of a voice of which certain genres would have never had a chance on radio on terrestrial radio and now you're seeing bands like um, like Street Dive they're like this really cool like blues kind of like funk band mm -hmm. even like Tedeschi Trucks band are like one of my favorites to go see live and I mean you you wouldn't really hear that stuff on radio I mean maybe some of the smaller like AAA or blues stations but to be able to have that music flourish and really find its own fan bases it's cool it's really cool to see that's awesome so one of the things I like to do is I like to pair to people's palettes I now, love this you you have an eclectic taste of mm -hmm. music and even more eclectic in terms of what you can perform it's I'm still fascinated by your level of talent well I'm fascinated by your knowledge of bourbon can I ask you what got you interested in bourbon like why bourbon well so <laughs> you know normally I have a, a very canned uh, answer for this but I got recently uh, Louisville magazine did like a 
like a 10 page feature on me kind of like Dang, really, 10 pages yeah it was it was really intense and they had oh. some like incredible photography to go with it and and it kind kind of made me he this guy like i I've had stories written about me before, but mm -hmm. no one had ever dug into my past like this guy. And he, he interviewed people I went to war with. Wow. And I was really nervous about this, yeah. this story coming out. And it, I was really uh, moved by how much people thought of me, and especially my military That's brethren amazing. and sisters. Yeah. And, um, and basically, my story begins when I'm in Iraq. That re it really is. Like, my, I would not have came here if I didn't go to Iraq. And I was always a bourbon fan. I actually had people ship me bourbon. Really? I was going to say, like did they... the Listerine bottles. Did they have bourbon in Iraq? Did they so let you have some we, on the... Yeah, the, our, our orders were that we were not allowed to drink. Okay. But we... That's what I would have thought, but yeah, yeah, yeah we figured it out. Like, like we yeah. listened to rules. Yeah, I mean... I mean, come on. Hey, you're fighting for the country. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta bend the rules uh, a little but bit. But, you know, you tend to take on the rules of the nation. And then in mm -hmm. Iraq, where we were, was not allowed... Alcohol was prohibited. Right. So, so we... Um, so I get back from Iraq and I really could not get, um, really couldn't get a job. And, uh, as a writer, as a photographer, we didn't have a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I took this job as a food editor and that food editor job, I eventually wrote about alcohol. And then I decided to go out on my own as a freelancer. I wrote my first bourbon article in 2006. It was published in 2007. That's so awesome. And it just kept going one after another. So cool. And then I started my own magazine with a publishing partner called Bourbon Plus. And I then I got a, um, you know, I got a, a Amazon Prime show. I became affiliated with Damien Wimmer Presents. To, That's you know, incredible. We co-created Bourbon and Beyond. I mean, just all these little things that bourbon kind of led me to mm -hmm. uh it really begins with you know some of the worst moments of my life just and uh now i'm here wow. so life comes full circle it, it, it really does and now i get to pair a bourbon for you i'm so excited yeah here we go all right so i'm going to ask you a series of questions and based on how you Ready. answer them um i've got a pretty full bar you here. have an amazing bar here well, i'm like dang I'm packing I'm a little bit, but it's not, it's still, this is very small for me. Okay. okay. Yeah. So well, like I'm used to having like, you know, four corners just packed. Really? Yeah. So I brought, but what I have here is I have some good tools of like different flavors okay. that I think will fit. Your After tool. you pair one to me, you need to tell me about your favorite. And I know it's probably really hard to well, choose one. See, but. as a critic, it's it, it's difficult. Like, I don't have a favorite per se. I have the, the highest rate. And I have my go-to bourbons. I have okay. my house bourbons. I mean, there's yeah, true. a lot of different things. It'd be like asking me to choose a favorite guitar. I'm like, I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, choose a favorite guitar or, like, you know, your favorite person to sing with. Yeah, that's you know? so hard. And I know you sing with a lot of people. That's so true. That's so, so you, hard. You got to hurt someone's feelings to say it. Say All the right. truth. That's true. All right, so let's start. Do you like cornbread or pie crust more oh my gosh these are so hard pie crust okay do you like to have uh, like a fried pie or do you like to have like um the kind of pie that's baked and there's like not a topping over it uh the second baked not a topping okay mm -hmm. so like a pumpkin pie yeah all right so now love pumpkin pie do you like nutmeg yes caramel Yes. Cinnamon? 
love cinnamon. I cook with cinnamon so much. You cook with cinnamon a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, do you, in terms of like spices, do you like pepper or do you like baking spices? Baking spices being more on like the clove side. Baking spices. Baking spices. Cloves, allspice, ginger. Do you like bananas? Love bananas. Okay. So we're going to have that cream of Kentucky right there, right, oh right behind gosh. the camera. Bananas. Whoa. I, did, did you hear me say throw it? No, no I didn't. I, I but mean, it made me nervous. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, this is like a $300 bottle, too. So, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the minute you said bananas, I'm like, hey, bananas in my bourbon. Sign me up. Yeah. There, there's like a, a really prominent banana note here. All right. And it has all those other notes we kind of discussed. It's, um, it's quite fascinating what this is. Now this is this was started by a gentleman who is uh, Cream of Kentucky was actually like a real prominent brand back, you know, way back into the '30s and '40s, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Norman Rockwell actually did like these series of paintings in celebration at Cream of Kentucky. No way. And it, they're beautiful. Some of them look a little weird now because we looked at we we viewed things differently back then. Yeah. And then we do today. Like you would not get a picture of an old man eating a chicken like a close-up today true. like no one wants to see that where are the paintings now uh they were mostly published in like life magazine so you gotcha. could you could find them uh like just in a simple like google image search but uh, yeah they're some of the photos are kind of borderline creepy gotcha but uh or paintings anyway and so uh, jim rutledge was his famed distiller he was the master distiller for four roses mm -hmm. and he left he retired mm -hmm. And started to come back and you know start another brand in cream of kentucky and so this is his stuff and this is uh this bourbon is 11 and a half years old wow and i think you'll get a lot of those notes in there and when you taste bourbon so i'll just do a little quick little tutorial for you when you when you smell bourbon you want to bring it to your nose and open your mouth a little bit so by doing that you're actually not taking on the brunt of the alcohol i totally smell bananas and, yeah <laughs> All right. You got it. All right. But only when I open my mouth. That's so crazy. You get more out of it. When you do it, do it with your mouth closed, you're basically, the alcohol is just kind of punching you right there on the nose. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you have to like relax the olfactory a little bit. And so you smell it, get the bananas. You know, I'm getting some vanilla. You know, I definitely get the banana. There's some vanilla there. There's some like, um, some like oven, like coming out of the oven, like pie stuff. Anything, anything Delicious. you're getting? I mean, it's like banana bread coming out of the nice. oven. Nice. Does this remind you of a song at all? Does you smell this? Mm, you can't think a of a song. Good question. I mean, like Sweet Home Chicago. I don't know why. It's oh, like. Oh <laughs> wow! I like that Sweet Home Chicago. It feels good. It's warm and inviting. So here we go. Let's taste. Wow, that's amazing. That's good whiskey. It's so smooth. I really wow. do. Yeah. So that is cream of Kentucky. Hundred and two proof. Yeah. Could you, Matt? Not wasting any time. Yeah. <laughs> and here she Man. goes. She's going back in. I'm She's going like, back in. <laughs> she really likes it. <laughs> Banana bread fresh out of the oven. Banana bread 
fresh out of the oven. I mean, who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to have that? People who don't like bananas. Mm. Yeah, I know they're they're out there. True. They're out there. They're but you know, you don't find people allergic to bananas. You don't. No, I've never met anyone. That's I true. Know actually, people, I've never met anyone. People are allergic to, to like either. all kinds of nuts, apples, uh, but never bananas. That's true. Maybe that means we should eat more bananas in this. Maybe. World. I don't know. Or drink more cream of Kentucky. Yeah, that's. <laughs> we had all of this is this is a scarcity bottle. It's not. There's not a lot of them out there. Okay, so let me ask you this: How do you travel around with this many bottles? Uh. Well, how do you pack them up so they don't oh. all break? <laughs> well, I was going to say because. Um, how do you pack them up so they don't break? Um, I got, I got good people. Okay, yeah, I mean, like I got boxes. You totally and, have good people. And like, if 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 we people kind of know me for bourbon, so yeah. it's like it's just ex- assumed. Like, uh, I'm at a kid, my kid's soccer game, and someone's asking me if I have any bourbon on me for the game. Actually, I did not. I did not bring any bourbon really? with me. Really? Yeah. I guess yeah. People would just assume that you. People always just have always some. assumed I'm I'm uh, ready. I'm always ready to go. <laughs> but I will tell you too, Lindsay, that you kind of stumped me. You Why? Know, I don't get stumped. Like you asked me that question, I'm like mm. I'm at like Thank you. my jaw dropped. I'm like wow. I, <laughs> I was I wasn't ready for that. It's my I, goal I've to never, stump you. I have never been asked that question. Really? Yeah. I'm so like, how do you? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a valid question. It's a great it's very question. Very impressive. I mean, I travel around with a lot of guitar pedals, and they get ruined all the time. And so I'm like, this is very commendable of you. So I had Lark and Poe on my. I love on, those on, girls. They, they're awesome. They're right? amazing. I had them on my Amazon Prime show, and they've lost like, uh, like three or four steel guitars. Yeah. Like in the last year, because of uh, airlines. I think it was British Airs, but. They, yeah, they, they don't even a, get me started. Really? In the course of, so I was in LA recording guitars in Hollywood, and it was late. I was actually recording guitars at Babyface's studio. And um, so we were like right in Hollywood and walked out of the studio. It was like 1230, like just past midnight, and walk up to my car. And normally I never leave stuff in my car. Like I'm pretty good with it. But I just had a long day of sessions, and so I carried my laptop and my guitar into the studio, and I left everything else in the car. So car gets broken into, my backpack got stolen, my driver's license, my wallet. I had, like, a little synthesizer. I My whole backpack got stolen. And then right after that session, I was getting on a plane to New York to pl- play one radio show to then get on a plane to London. And thankfully, for some reason that morning, I had taken my passport out of my backpack and put it in my jacket, and I never do that. But I had my passport, a laptop, and a guitar to my name. So I'm like kind of freaking out, and I, I go to the airport, and thankfully I had my, my pedal board and suitcase back at the hotel. So I get to the airport, and I'm like, I lost like all of my, my wallet, my driver's license, my everything else. And so I'm sitting there and get on the plane, go to New York, get off the plane, then my pedal board gets lost. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just a bad 12 hours. You know, surely they'll find it in the system and then send it to the hotel or whatever so I have it for London. But they never found it. And they wow. still to this day haven't found it. I guess somebody might have t- took it like from the little oversized belt or whatever. So I lost $12,000 worth of gear in like 15 hours. So what do you do? Like how do you... 
it was frustrating. I you really, from our, I really artists? sent my manager on on a nice rampage to Guitar Center <laughs> with wow. like a shopping list of. But I had my whole. I was I was going to London on a solo tour, so I had my whole show programmed on this synthesizer that got taken, and so I like sent my manager to Guitar Center to pick up like a few things that I could like kind of get by on but my whole show was gone so I got, get to London and I'm just like well I'm starting from scratch but thankfully the fans over there are so amazing and wonderful and like the minute I went on stage they were singing so loud that I was like well I don't even I don't even need programming at this point so it the tour ended up going great but it's just like yeah, I mean, I guess you you, you got to be prepared to lose things sometimes. Yeah, it's at the game. Like you just, it is, yeah. yeah. It's just like the rule of if you let people borrow money from you, just expect to never get it back. You just like, if you check something on a plane, half of you kind of got to expect that you're never going to get it back. That reminds me, Jeff Shipley, you still owe me rent oh, from uh, our senior year in dang. college. And uh, I know you're I a VP think. in construction now, so... <laughs> Pay that up, Jeff. Well, the time has come. I know, right? There's interest too, and I feel like I should cash in. But I, I th- this, this going on the road fascinates me because you have these fans, and you like you deliver every single time with a smile. Apparently, yoga moves on uh, <laughs> with the guitar and everything, and it's just I don't know how you do it. How do you stay so engaged? I mean, I get to wake up every day and do what I love, mm-hmm. which I hope you feel the same looking around this room. But um, it's just crazy to be able to call this a job. I mean, last year, we tour a lot. Last year, we yeah. played 235 shows. Wow. We were on the road 280 days. Wow. And, you know, with travel days and everything I mean I was in my house just a little bit over a month and like I wouldn't change any piece of it I wouldn't I just don't take it for granted I remember days like crying on my bed praying to be this busy and now that I'm this busy I'm like there's never going to be a day that I I'm I'm not like I I want this so bad because I remember what that felt like like praying just to be on the road playing shows playing for fans and to walk out earlier today and see thousands of smiling screaming faces out there like that's what I live for nothing makes me feel the way that standing on stage with like a vibrating guitar next to my body playing songs that I've written in front of a crowd singing back to me like nothing makes me feel that way that's awesome and you're so talented I this is my talent I guess is drinking bourbon which is an incredible talent. I mean, someone's got to do it. Uh, and I like to ask people about, like, what was their first drink? Yeah. What was your first drink? I mean, don't laugh at me. I mean, everybody's first drink is, like, so lame. But um, my first drink was actually a Long Island iced tea. That's not bad. <laughs> That's not as bad, right? That's not right? bad at all. It's, like, you know. not a Smirnoff ice or something. Um, yeah, my, my parents love Long Island iced teas. And... Um, yeah, that was just like their staple in the house for, for a long time. So nice. I was pretty young, knock on wood, the well, first time I tried. Uh, we, 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 we hear that sometimes, <laughs> but of course, you know, it's, we mostly, 
I'll wait till we're 21. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Well, since I'm from Canada, drinking age was 18. That is true. So Y'all's I, laws are much better I than did, ours. Yeah, I did get to start a little bit earlier. But, um, but yeah, that was that was my first, first ever drink. What was it, your first drink? Uh, I think it was uh, like Coors Light. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, that's yeah. understandable. It was Coors Light. <laughs> um... Now, what do you drink when you're on the road? So, there's always a slew of bourbon on my bus because of my band. But I either usually drink tequila. Nice. Or red wine. That, listen, those two will <laughs> always be accepted in my home. Really? Yeah, what will not be is vodka. Really? Why? Oh, vodka's the devil. Why? It's evil. It, it, you How know, is it, it evil? Well, I, see, what vodka did... To bourbon in the 1960s mm-hmm. was it basically knocked it out, mm. and so when people gotcha. started drinking vodka, bourbon went away for a lot of people. And totally the devil. And so that's why I hate it. And to so me, tequila like, doesn't threaten bourbon. No, tequila complements it. Really? Yeah, because uh, it's actually tasty. It's flavorful. The right. actual definition of vodka is mm-hmm. odorless and tasteless. So how does that sound good at all? Well, the reason why vodka makes, you know, makes it actually did not even have a federal definition until the late 1950s. That's crazy. I know. It, and it, they got a definition and the, it was odorless and tasteless. And then people uh, would drink it and they realized that they could drink vodka and people wouldn't smell it on their breath. So they would go out on like these three martini lunches, turn to five martinis. And these alcoholics would uh, just wow. drink vodka all the time. And to this day, when you walk into a liquor store, what you will find is there is a sea of vodka right there. Stand in the liquor store for 12, 12, 15 minutes, and you'll see people coming in real quick, buying it, going in the parking lot, drinking it, and leaving. It is not. It is a quick. Uh, it's a quick drink for them. But That's to, crazy. to me, uh, vodka is, is the devil. So so I have a question for you. Shoot. So my manager loves bourbon. Mm-hmm. He really loves Blanton's. Oh, okay. So let's say I want to buy him a Christmas gift yep. of something a little bit different than Blanton's, okay. yep. but in that same palette. Okay. What would you recommend and why? Well, Rock Hill Farms, if you can find it, uh, I don't have it here, but uh, okay. Rock Hill Farms is is one that is in that same kind of wheelhouse, okay. uh, made from very similar recipes. Just hit me up. I'll uh, okay. I'll, I'll get you a bottle of Blanton's or Rock Hill Farms. So what, what, whatever you need. I'll, I got you. I got you back. And, and I have another question. How do you study recipes? How do I study the various recipes yeah. in whiskey? Yeah. So... It, it's all by grain bills and ages and distillation techniques. That's what my book, uh, Bourbon Curious, is really dedicated to, is just like how, ev- how everybody makes their bourbon. And um, I just listen to it, and then I and I taste it, and I kind of like see the similarities in the taste profiles, and I match it up to like how it's made. But there's, there's a lot that we still don't know what kind of like creates the taste. One of those is yeast like mm-hmm. they you know yeast is necessary for fermentation and uh, distillers all kind of like live and die by their yeast and um and i think that it does a lot more for the flavors that i can pick up than most people will give it credit for 
So yeast is a fascinating. So just like making bread, yeah. you know, the yeast yeah. is, is pertinent to, to the whiskey. That's incredible. Well, I tell you what, this has been the most tables turned episode <laughs> I've had. I uh, like it. You're like, uh, you know, I, maybe it's because I fanboyed out a little too much. I mean, hey, you, you know. can fanboy any, any time. You did, you did say you like interacting with your fans. I do. So yes. I, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I love what you do. I Thank love you. your guitar. I love your vocals. I think you could do acapella. So you're any time, so any time you, you lose your show, that meant a lot. Absolutely, and I got to go backstage. Yeah, you did. You know, I mean, um, with that suit, you can go anywhere yeah. you want. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show. Cheers to you, Cheers. and what an incredible career you have. And I cannot wait to have you back in Louisville, and I hope you'll do another one of our festivals sometime. Done and done. And uh, so that's it for this episode of The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. But I'm not going to lie. I'm sad it's over. I could talk to you me all day too. like Hey, anytime you want me back, I'm here. Right on. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to see this interview on camera, you can go check it out on my YouTube page. Just search my name, Fred Minnick, and make sure you're subscribing to my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just search Fred Minnick and you'll find me out there. Go to my website, fredminnick.com, to sign up for my free drinks newsletter and go to bourbonplus.com to check out my magazine. I think you're going to love it. Hey, we've got a lot of cool new shows coming out next week. We're interviewing Jelly Roll. He's a southern rapper and we get really deep into life and what it's like to be a southerner in today's world. He's a, a recovering heroin addict, so the conversation went off the rails a few times. Big shout out to my producer on, on the show, Pamela Fur. Pamela, thank you so much. And to my partner on this podcast, Gary Krantz, thanks for doing this. And I, who would I be if I didn't thank my, my good friend, Clay Bush, for helping set all this up. So that's a wrap. This is the first episode of the Fred Minnick show and uh, I hope you come back so make sure you're hitting that subscribe button and giving a, a review when you get a chance thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week you've been listening to the Fred Minnick show brought to you by the San Francisco World Spirits competition at sfspiritscomp.com and by Mictors American Whiskies for more information Go to fredminnick.com. Hey.